It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. <laughs> hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. All right. uh, Hey, everybody. Welcome in. Patrick Johnson here with you as uh, we are up and running on the uh, PJ show. Midweek edition, all downhill from here. Nice to have you along. Uh, Doug Martin's going to rejoin us today. Coach has had some... uh, Things going on uh, with his uh, family, and uh, we'll we'll make mention uh, of that. But uh, for Doug Martin, uh, great to be back with him this week. I'm anxious to talk to him about uh, what uh, his thoughts were on how the Pirates played offensively down against UTSA, and also what his thoughts were uh, with the uh, Pirates at the quarterback spot, looks like Alex Flynn is who they've settled on. So uh, that's kind of where things are at the uh, present moment. So I, I think uh, it, it'll be – I'm looking forward to getting the evaluation coming up here in just a little bit from uh, Doug Martin on the uh, quarterback for the uh, Pirates, Alex Flynn. And, uh, again, it looks like Flynn is, is going to be the guy. I liked a lot of the things he said yesterday. He's obviously a smart guy. He's obviously a talented guy on some level. So uh, – uh, he might give the Pirates the best chance, and especially if he does display that little ability to run, uh, just as an ax- added extra wrinkle, I think that's a, a really positive thing and a good thing for East Carolina. So that is uh, what is coming up here uh, in the uh, next little bit. We'll talk to Doug Martin about that and also everything else going on in college uh, football this afternoon. And uh, we also have uh, a Pirate Report coming up. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll have that for you in just a bit. Philip the Ref Pilkington, ably producing the show today as he always uh, does. Pilk, how you doing today? I'm good. How about you, Patrick? You know I'm great, Pilkington. It is uh, a lot better than yesterday when it was kind of cold and overcast. It's just brisk and sunny today, but the sun helps a lot. It I always think. does. It, vitamin D is a big thing. I need. I, need, I like the sun to be in a good mood. You need the sun to be in a good mood. That's well said. Look at you. You're wise beyond your years, Bill. Uh, we have, uh, you know, I, I flipped it on the World Series last night. We had trick or treat. Well, first of all, do you find Michael thought this was hilarious and thought that this was some kind of, uh, you know, I don't know if you'd say spoof or, or just something where you uh, say, you know, it was. I, I don't know how you would put it, to be quite honest with you, but uh, it humored him. But, you know, I talked about this, I think, a little bit yesterday. We had people come by here for the uh, trick-or-treating, but I'm not going to answer the door. I'm not going to do that. So I laid out a bowl, and with the bowl, I put the candy in it. So that's how they came by and, and the trick-or-treaters. And I don't think anybody got crazy. Now, in my neighborhood, there was uh, on the neighborhood Facebook page, there were people uh, that had their whole bowl, that did the same thing, and the whole bowls were taken by some rambunctious youngsters. So is fair or foul on just leaving the bowl of candy out and letting it be a free-for-all with the trick-or-treaters, Pilk? 
I say go ahead and let it out. Either if you, you either need to sit at the end of your driveway and hand it out or just put the bowl on the front <laughs> step. Like there's no need to keep walking back and forth from the front door. So I, I'm with you there. I don't it was uh, and it was a cold night, but sometimes Halloween could be warm, and then you run the risk of letting bugs in your home. It's true. What do you think here, William? We got intern William, and I'm going to ask him if it's oh, cool with you what today. he okay. thinks about the uh, about the bowl on the front step. I find it very difficult to deal with these rambunctious youngsters, as Patrick called them. So I believe the pole on the front uh, porch isn't a good idea because somebody will steal your bowl. So I think you just have to sit oh, really? out there and hand out the candy. Nah, you're wrong about that, William. You're you're wrong. By the way, William, did you partake in the revelry that was uh, Greenville Halloween uh, last night or this weekend? I actually did. I went out as the P-Man himself. I dressed up as the P-Man. What? <laughs> yeah. Nobody knew who that was. The young people had no clue who that was. I felt like it was a pretty iconic uh, Halloween costume. Well, no, you're you're right about that, and you and you respect the legend, so I uh, I respect you for that. All right, so wait a minute. What this this leads us down a whole new path here. What did you dress as as the P man? I was dressed up as a pimp. Ah, there you go. That P man. I got you. I'll I'll leave it there. I won't ask any more. I think uh, there's still kids in the car, possibly. So we will not uh, go any further. But I'm guessing you were uh, colorful in your ensemble. Would that be accurate, William? Yeah, I was purple. Okay, purple. Purple the pimp. Very good. Pilk, did anybody trick-or-treat where you live? Or, or is that just not... They just go to the uh, really nice neighborhoods in Greenville. I think they go to the really nice neighborhoods. Not, a lot of not kids that you don't live in a nice area, Pilk. I'm just saying... You know. No, it's it's a little apartment complex. There ain't much to it. See, I think the days of those things being trick-or-treat destinations are over, and they they gather. My parent, my mom sent me a picture of our old neighborhood, which was a buzz of activity when I was a kid. And in some years recently, it had fallen off as kind of the people there had gotten older and their kids moved out. But now that kind of like a new generation of families have moved in, it's gotten busy again. But... Because it is kind of a uh, like a uh, a neighborhood, like a suburban neighborhood, suburban Kinston. I know uh, down the road where my house is, where I grew up, there were cars parked on both sides of the road, essentially blocking the road for the trick or treaters to go out and up and down that road. Don't tell the fire marshal, P man. Yeah, it was wild to see. I'm surprised the North Lenore Volunteer Fire Department didn't step in. All right. Uh, tell you what, we've got uh, Doug Martin in the offing. I'm going to get to him and leave as much time as possible. So let's go ahead and hit up a pirate report to start things here uh, on uh, 94.3 The Game and the PJ Show and the IBX Media app. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's pirate report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right. Uh, we start here with uh, some comments from uh, Coach Houston uh, from his press conference, and he talked about uh, the uh, tough defeat last weekend to UTSA. Tough loss down in uh, San Antonio this past weekend. Um, thought the, the players um, played very, very hard, thought we were ready to play. 
Uh, thought we came out with a lot of energy, um, came out and did some really good things there, uh, especially offensively early in the ball game, um, and against a very, very good team. Uh, you know, kind of had a back and forth ball game for much of the day, and you know, uh, you look back at it, uh, just really uh, pleased with the effort of the players. Um, thought uh, you know the four explosive plays we gave up defensively were obviously. Uh, ones that we have not been giving up and the ones that we should make the play and uh you know those were those were big um i thought that you know just a, a few uh plays here or there we had two trips deep in utsa territory that we came, came away with no points and you know, you, you got to convert those into points against a, a quality opponent but uh you know our guys gave us a chance to win we weren't able to get that done uh, let's see here. We also have uh, Coach Houston talking about how excited that the team is for the opportunity that faces them this weekend. The kids are, you know, excited about the matchup this week. Um, they were fantastic on Sunday. Um, very motivated. Uh, glad to be back at home in Daddy Ficklin Stadium. Uh, obviously, a challenging opponent in a seven and one Tulane, uh, ranked in the top twenty-five. Uh, veteran quarterback Michael Pratt. Um, veteran defense, veteran offense, uh, quality football team we're facing. So uh, the guys are excited about the matchup. Uh, you know, looking forward to game day. Uh, looking forward to getting back out on the field today to have a solid Tuesday in preparation to play very, very well this weekend. All right, uh, comments from the Tuesday press conference from uh, Mike Houston. And uh, Coach gives uh, his thoughts on the season moving forward that uh, the uh, possibility of a bowl game mathematically is no longer on the table. Well, I mean, I think the, the kids have, you know, we talked about in our leadership council Sunday night, you know, they, they set the message the same as I do, and it's, you know, next game. You know, it's a 1-0 mentality. And, you know, that's you, the only game that you can focus on is the one this week, and uh, they're very dialed in on that and uh, uh, very encouraged by their attitudes. Uh, so excited about the game this weekend. And uh, let's see here, uh, Coach Houston on uh, the players very much still being invested in the program. We're having a challenging year right now, but uh, we've got a solid program, and uh, we're very close. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's how I look at it, and that's why we stay motivated. You know, you stay motivated by, you know, you look at the way the kids competed and played this past weekend from, uh, from, a, from an effort level. Uh, you know, they're very invested in this program. So are the coaches. Uh, so uh, this is a great place to be. Uh, we're excited to be here and uh, look forward to uh, you know, playing well this weekend and uh, look forward to getting pirate football exactly where it needs to be. All right, uh, more from uh, Coach Houston and uh, trying to get pirate football where it needs to be exactly the topic of the NIL coming up. Well, I think that, uh, you know, the landscape of college football has changed drastically in the last two years. Uh, we talked about it, uh, you know, this time last year. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I beat that drum pretty loudly uh, at the end of the year last year and all through the winter. Um, you know, the thing is, you, you do have a lot of teams in this league that uh, have invested heavily. Uh, and I, when I say teams, I mean really uh, the people surrounding those teams have invested heavily in name and image likeness. 
Um, you know, we're thankful for the name and image likeness endorsements that our, our, our student athletes do enjoy here uh, at East Carolina University. Very thankful for Team Boneyard and what they've been able to do. Um, and I would just encourage um, everyone to take a, a good look at, uh, you know, where things, where support is needed for those student athletes. Uh, well said. And uh, I think uh, you're going to see or start to see, uh, if you call it uh, literature, but maybe data exactly where ECU stacks up to its conference brethren in the NIL and how important it is to really get that uh, going. I mean, we can't, we cannot beat that drum uh, hard enough. Uh, one couple things here, uh, a couple of these we can hold over, but uh, let's go to six uh, Pilk where uh, coach talks about uh, the way that the team played uh, at UTSA spoke a lot about uh, the fabric of this team. Well, I think it says a lot about our student athletes. That's what I think it says a lot about. Um, I love this kid, this, this group of kids. Uh, they are outstanding. And uh, every single day I get to spend with them uh, is a great day. And uh, we have not gotten the results as far as wins and losses that we wanted this year uh, up to this point. Uh, but I am proud of the, the way they compete. I'm proud of the way they responded on Saturday. We were all very disappointed in the performance against Charlotte. Uh, but I think that, uh, you know, the way they went out and competed at a high level this past weekend shows just, you know, what they're about. Uh, and it's what, uh, it's what we want to be about. All right, uh, that'll do it for today's Pirate Report here on the Patrick Johnson Show, our coverage of ECU hosting number 24-ranked Tulane. Tulane, by the way, 24th, uh, just ahead of Air Force at 25 in the college football playoff poll. So uh, Tulane right now would have the uh, the inside track, if you were, to get a New Year's Six Bowl uh, out of the uh, G5, and uh, they would represent the American. But uh, we'll take a break. More time to talk about that down the road. We're going to talk to Doug Martin about uh, – the matchup with Tulane and also his thoughts on how the Pirates played last weekend. That is uh, straight ahead with us here on the Patrick Johnson show. We have you covered with all the ECU news and beyond that you need for the drive home. The Patrick Johnson show on 94.3, the game. Welcome back in on the Patrick Johnson show. And now uh, Doug Martin joins us. Uh, Coach, great to talk to you again. We had coach Logan last week and we didn't get a break in hardly. So, <laughs> that's always entertaining when you got coach logan how you doing? yeah well he, he did it was awesome to have him on it's, it's great to have you back though and uh thanks for taking some uh, time with us today um we'll talk with the we'll start on the pirates here they got Tulane coming in i know you know willie fritz pretty well so uh you you could speak to a little bit of what he and michael pratt and, and how they've replaced spears at running back and, and all of that but uh you know pirates put it together a little more offensively especially early, looked really good. It seems like that they have settled on uh, Alex Flynn. Doesn't mean we won't see Mason Garcia, but I, I think Flynn may be the guy, uh, at least going into this game this week, that gives the Pirates the best chance. Well, I think he certainly gives you the best chance to win games right now. And he really showed some things Saturday. You know, he's under a lot of pressure. Um, you know, protection wasn't great all the time there. But, I mean, he stood in there and made some throws. He shows a lot of toughness. 
Uh, it showed some anticipation of throws, which you know, I haven't really seen much of this year uh, from him. But um, he's making progress, and you know I think he's he's got a chance to be a player if he develops. And uh, you know the more he plays, the better he's going to get. He just needs some more pieces around him. Coach, when you have a quarterback like uh, that, that you know is uh, well, well, I'll just I'll just kind of be more direct. You you had a quarterback that from a skill set perspective, was very similar, uh, mainly a thrower but could run it a little bit. I guess maybe uh, a lot of the same tools that Alex Flynn possesses. Yeah, I had uh, Tyler Rogers at New Mexico State. Tyler is very much like uh, Flynn, about the same size, uh, ran about the same. He ran good enough to make first downs for us and, and keep plays alive, but he wasn't really a runner. He's more of a dropback passer and you know, Tyler ended up third in the nation in passing yards per game for us uh, that year at New Mexico State and won the bowl game. And I see a lot of similarities between those two. Strong arm, great anticipation Tyler had, and uh, I see Flynn developing that way. And I think the most the positive thing for uh, East Carolina right now is, though, they're still playing hard. I mean, that says a lot about, you know, the coaching staff and how hard they're working and the players and the character of their team, you know, that they are still playing hard. What did you think of Frank Harris and UTSA? Yeah, I mean, I've seen Frank Harris a lot. It seems like he's been there for 20 years. I mean, he's been around <laughs> he almost a long has. Time. Yeah, I mean, he's got a great skill set. I mean, he's not going to be an NFL quarterback. He might be a wide receiver or something at that level. But, you know, he's got great skills to extend plays and make things happen. He's done it for a lot of years. And UTSA is could be a dominant program. I mean, they're in a – you know, just a wealth of talent down there around San Antonio to recruit to. Uh, they've got facilities. They've got money. They've got all the things that you need to have a top-notch program. And uh, they're going to be formidable for a long time. We got uh, Coach Doug Martin on the line with us here. It's always great to uh, catch up with uh, Coach midweek, talk some uh, some pirate football and some college football, lots to, to get into here. Uh, back to the Pirates' Really quick, uh, Shane Calhoun, the tight end out for the season. It's been uh, confirmed. And Jalen Johnson, the Georgia transfer, stepped up, had a nice game. Of course, Chase Soule had his first touchdown reception. So if Johnson and Soule can can just be competitive on those 50-50 throws, if they can continue to, to build on what they've done, you know, the Pirates might in this last month uh, get the offense jump-started a little bit. Well, that's huge because you know, East Carolina is going to continue to see man coverage and a lot of pressure because that, that's proven to be their Achilles heel that they just haven't handled well and haven't made enough plays against it. So everybody sees that blueprint and everybody's a copycat in, this, in college football. You know, you go what's been successful by everybody else. So they're going to continue to see that. So it'll be interesting to see if they can develop and still make those plays. And to me, the biggest thing now is, you know, you want to win games this year and you certainly want to finish the season out well, but you need to come out of this season feeling really good about what, where you're headed for next year, and, you know, which means you got to find those players that you really think are going to be, you know, key guys for you next year and keep developing them and put them in positions to develop and, and make plays so that, you know, next year these guys are ready to win. Coach, uh, we're volleying a little bit back and forth here, but uh... – UTSA had probably the most successful uh, offensive production, moving the football with the greatest consistency, at least since Michigan probably, uh, but at least have had the, you know the most production against this Pirate defense that we've seen this year. 
what were they able to take advantage of that maybe some other teams have not been able to against what has been a, a pretty representative defense this season for Coach Harrell and Coach Houston? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a couple of things. Here. One, UCSA has talent at several different positions. It's not just Frank Harris, although his ability to extend plays makes it really difficult to cover people in the secondary that long. Yeah, you know, and he, you can get exposed because he just creates more time for receivers to get open. But, I mean, you saw them, Patrick. I mean, they've got great speed at the skill positions, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends. I mean, they really have a plethora of talent there to, to draw from. And I don't know that East Carolina's really seen an offensive team like that up to this point. You know, and the other thing is when you play teams like that, your offense really has got to step up. Now, you know, you've got to score some points. You've got to, you know, win the field position game. Uh, and, and those are tough things that have hurt East Carolina's defense this year, particularly field position-wise because of the lack of offense. Coach, um, good to see the kicker, Conrad, bounce back. Uh, confident guy, you know, missed some kicks against Charlotte. But, um, you know, obviously in the Dome you don't have those – elements weather-wise and he he did miss a 52-yarder but he stuck a 52-yarder that probably would have been good for three four more yards out so uh college kickers man that's what they say on on uh, the social medias so (laughs) but uh you know if you could and I know there's that philosophy it's the Logan philosophy I'm sure it's yours it's minus four uh if you're if you're not getting a touchdown complete a drive with that said if you can complete a drive with points and you have a good defense, you've always got a, a chance to, to make some hay. Well, that's true. And in close games, kickers are crucial. And, you know, at this level, the group of five level, you're going to play a lot of close games if you're, you know, capable. And, um, you know, those guys winning games are important for you. I always loved to have kickers that were athletes, you know, that had just played other sports. Yeah. And you wish Miller, Kevin Miller at East Carolina is the best kicker I've ever been around. And I remember Steve asking, he, he made a lot of last-second kicks for us, or crucial kicks. And I remember Coach Logan asked him one time, you know, Kevin, what makes you so different than these other guys? And Kevin actually came to East Carolina on a golf scholarship. And his response was, Coach, I've stood over a lot of six-foot putts. <laughs> you know, I, thought that was the, I thought that was the best answer ever, you know. Because this guy is not just a kicker. You know, he's got a mentality about, you know, winning and uh, and so, you know, those guys are valuable and they're hard to find. And, you know, they're much like quarterbacks, you know, confidence plays a lot in it and they, they just need to get on a roll sometimes. We saw Kevin, uh, back on the homecoming day. So that was, uh, that was good to see him. Just a great guy. Uh, great player. Just a, yeah. Just, uh, just a great, great guy. Um, Hey coach, uh, as far as Willie Fritz and, uh, Tulane coming in, you have, he must have a strong NIL because Michael Pratt I, I turned down a couple of uh, P5s to return to New Orleans. Well, I think, you know, Willie is a, is a good friend of mine, first of all, and, and total disclosure. But Willie does a great job of building a culture at programs. And I'll, they probably don't lose a lot of kids because of the way they're treated there. You know, he, he really does a nice job of handling a team, being very fair with players. He's very firm, but he's very fair, and I think players really respect him. And, you know, they've done a nice job of developing players. So when you're at a program like that, you don't necessarily have to jump to a P5 to get developed. You know, you may be able to get more money, but are you going to get developed any better? And I think that's what Pratt saw from there and was comfortable in the system that they run there and, uh, you know, is happy with the way they're winning. And so – 
you know, that breeds contentment with your team and it helps you keep those guys because that's going to continue to be a problem for all group of five just hanging on to your best players because they're all going to get recruited with, with NIL money. And so you've got to have uh, the same skills that Willie has about building the team. Coach, Doug Martin is here. Who let the dogs out? Doug Martin. That's with, It's finally <laughs> been answered. It's finally been answered. Um, Coach, uh, what about Pratt is projectable at the next level? You know, I think he's going to have a chance to uh, be the late round or a free agent type of guy, and there'll be the whole thing about getting with the right team. You know, that's so important when you, you when you when you come out and go to the NFL. You know, Julian Edelman, who I had at Kent State, if he doesn't go to the Patriots, we may not even know the name Julian Edelman. Right. But he just went he went to the right team, you know, and the right time and everything, and that's that's what's really important. You know, Holt Naylor's is another one of the guys that I always thought you know if he got with the right team to develop somebody, you know, really have a chance. So I think that's kind of where Pratt is, too. He's got skills. He really does a nice job, takes care of the ball well. He knows how to play the game. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's accurate. And I think he has really good anticipation of throws. And that, to me, that's something you can't coach. Either a young man has that or he doesn't. He can feel people coming open. And you'll see him a lot of times. That ball's out of his hands before the receiver makes a break. As far as uh... – you know, they're, they're kind of running the same stuff. They're run first, but Pratt is so accurate deep down the field uh, and does have a big arm. And then defensively, I think they're mixing it up a little bit from from what they've done in the past with the three line. They're still three down, but uh, they, they have mixed it up some this year. Yeah, they're, they're a really good defensive team. they got really good team speed. You know, all across the board, they can run. Offensively, defensively, special teams. And I, I would expect you're going to see some pressure from their defense, you're going to see probably quite a bit of pressure. Uh, and they're not afraid to play man coverage. And, and, you know, when you're an RPO team, man coverage is what you don't want to see. You know, because if people can lock down those receivers, the run action doesn't help you on the RPO game. And that's what they've been able to defend really well. Um, so, you know, again, they just, they've got a nice program going there right now. They've done a really good job building facilities and, being able to recruit the right guys, and uh, this is going to be a tough game. We'll get more from Coach Martin talking college ball, uh, so stay with us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. But right now, Philip the Ref Pilkington with a 94-3 The Game Sports Update and Pirate Report. Thanks, Patrick. This weekend, the Pirates will be hosting the Green Wave of Tulane, and quarterback Alex Flynn gave a scouting report on the upcoming Pirates opponent. Really good on defense, um, like always. Um, I think they play well as a, as a unit. Um, we're going to have to execute, but, um, you know, there's, you know, big stage, big opportunity, so I think we're, we'll be ready to go. Last night, the Raiders, who are 3-5, and five, fired head coach Josh McDaniels and general manager Dave Ziegler. Team owner Mark Davis put out a statement that read, After much thought about what the Raiders need to move forward, I've decided to part ways with Josh and Dave. I want to thank them both for their hard work and wish them and their families nothing but the best. Champ Kelly, who is the second-year Assistant GM has been named the interim GM, and the linebackers coach, Antonio Pierce, has been named interim head coach. Tonight, the Rangers will attempt to win their first World Series title as they take a 3-1 series lead into Game 5. The Rangers will send Nathan Navaldi to the bump to face Zach Gallen. Tonight, the Hornets are two-and-a-half-point dogs in Houston as they take on the Rockets and try to snap a two-game losing streak in what will be their first road game of the young season. 
Panthers linebacker Frankie Louvu has been named NFC Defensive Player of the Week. He had 12 tackles, seven of which were solos, two were tackles for loss, and he also deflected two passes in the Panthers' win over the Texans. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report. On the other side of this timeout, more with Doug Martin and the P-Man. Have you noticed he's in his own little happy hour? We're back to the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the happy hour program. Here's the P-Man. Coach Doug Martin, great to have him back. Coach, before we go any further, uh, you and I talked uh, a couple of times in the last week, but condolences to you and your family uh, with the uh, passing of your mother. But, uh, boy, what a long and, and great life she lived. Oh, she really did, Patrick. I appreciate that. And, yeah, we've had uh, so many people from Greenville reach out to us, old friends, and uh, really appreciate that. But, yeah, she was going to turn 95 next month and uh, live by herself till she was about 92. She had a wonderful life. And, uh, you know, it's a blessing to have her as long as we did. And, uh, you know, we're just grateful for that. Was she nervous when you played football? <laughs> she was a good fan. I'll tell you the best <laughs> story about her. The first game that I really played in, at University of Kentucky, we were playing Clemson, and they had William Perry and all those guys. They just come off the national championship, and I greeted my mom and dad as we got to the stadium to go in the locker room. And Clemson's players got off the bus at the same time, started walking in, and as I was walking away, I heard her tell my dad, "Good Lord, Frank, they're going to kill him." <laughs> she saw Clemson's players and thought, "Oh my God!" So, she was a football fan, and uh, she's a good one. Uh, they finally have put out the first college football playoff rankings. I know you were on the edge of your seat in this made-for-television <laughs> event. Um, I'm shocked Ohio State was number one. I really am. Uh, yeah, I don't buy into that very much. I, I think, you know, what Georgia has done and uh, and the, even Saturday playing without their best player. Right, Rock, right. Uh, you know, and still dominated. Um, so I think they're the best team. Uh, but – you know, I think Ohio State's there, Michigan's there. To me, Washington is the fourth team with Florida State at close fifth. But I, I really think Washington is – I know they haven't played as well the last two weeks offensively, but they're win because they got great defense. And to me, if you're going to be in that realm of plays, like teams like Georgia, you've got to be good on both sides of the ball. And I think that's what they are. There's a bunch of one-loss teams stacked behind them uh, in, in six through – 13 that includes Oregon and uh, Louisville's in there Alabama Oklahoma Ole Miss so I mean there, there's Penn State I mean there's really a lot of quality uh, teams Texas I mean any of those and what the hell we'll just throw Missouri in since they're on the list uh do you do you see any of those teams cracking this top five uh or top you know four? it could I think Oregon probably has the best chance. You know, they, they really, I mean, the only loss they have is to Washington, which was a really close game. Yeah, by three. Uh, and, yeah. yeah, they've got both sides of the ball. I mean, they can play defense. They can run. they got offense. They've got a lot of things going for them. I think they would be the next best candidate there. Yeah, I, I really like Louisville. I, I tell you, they're sneaky good. You know, Jeff Brom is a great offensive coordinator of mine and is also the head coach. And he does a great job of developing quarterbacks and, 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 again, they can play defense, and uh, I think they're a dangerous team. One other note on uh, Tulane. They are in the uh, highest position of the uh, kind of rest of the group there, the G5 Air Force behind them at 
25th, uh, Air Force's schedule looks to be one that they would not have a big problem managing. Uh, so obviously Tulane in a three-way tie with uh, SMU and Texas San Antonio for the top of the American needs to to definitely get to the American championship game, if not win it, uh, with that one loss. So we'll see how all that kind of plays out. That does put some some added importance on this weekend's uh, game in Greenville. Uh, but, uh, you know, obviously, uh, anything that's released now, it, again, it's just this is just made for television uh, excitement, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's all going to play itself out. I mean, you, know, you still got some huge games to be played, and, like, and usually it does all work its way out. I, I do think there'll be a one-win team in there somewhere that'll make a big run, they'll get hot, and uh, whether that can be, you know, whoever it is, Oregon, Alabama, whoever it is, one of those teams will make a run, too. So the ACC this week, uh, this week releasing its um, <laughs> its uh, schedule model for the next seven years, 24 through 30. Uh, SMU, Cal, Stanford added to the mix. Here are the uh, home games. Well, let's do the away games. Here are the away games for Cal in 2024. Wake, Pitt, Florida State, and SMU. <laughs> <laughs> Go get some frequent flyer miles. Yes, they will. Uh, they do get Stanford at home. Uh, they'll get Syracuse, NC State, and Miami at uh, home. I just, you know, and it's funny too. North Carolina, the jokes write themselves. North Carolina doesn't take on any of these new teams. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's funny how that always works in the ACC. But right, I tell you where it's it's going to be tougher on. Cal and those teams to travel, you know, being out West when I was in New Mexico state, we played a lot of SEC teams and we had to travel back East a lot. That time change and things like that really affects those teams, especially if you have to do back to back weeks, that gets hard. Cal's going to have a hard time with that. The teams that go to play them, it's not that much of a problem really. I mean, you know, it's a one week shot and the time difference doesn't come into play as much, but it, it will be a problem. The teams from out west that have to come all the way back here to play the ACC teams. I want to ask you about a game tomorrow night uh, that I think is interesting. Uh, Duke hosting Wake Forest. Demon Deacons are coming off a throttling against Florida State, and then Duke kind of a surprising shutout at at uh, aforementioned Louisville. So uh, Riley Leonard, I think, is out there playing hobbled. Uh, the Deeks have a lot to play for. What uh, what do you see happening in Durham tomorrow night? Yeah, I think I mean, Duke has done an unbelievable job, too. I mean, developing – you just want to talk about developing players. And they don't have a lot of transfer guys there. They've got a couple, but not like these other teams have. So most of the guys you're seeing them play with are guys that they've gotten there and they've developed and they've held on to. And Riley Leonard is the difference to me for them. How healthy he is dictates how good they can be. I think he's a really special player. Um, you know, Wake has really shown a lot of toughness. They've got a lot of injuries and gone through a lot this year, especially in the offensive line. Uh, I think, boy, they may have gone through nine, ten players up front, uh, and it shows at times. But they've played the best defense they've played in the last couple of years. So, you know, they're still playing hard, both those teams. That's a, a big rivalry right there on Thursday night. Uh, that'll be a really good football game. I think it'll come down to, you know, can Wake handle Riley Leonard and how healthy he is. Uh, Coach Doug Martin's with us uh, here. One, uh, one or two other things I wanted to make mention of uh, to you since we last talked to you. Army is now an official member of the American. 
how do you see Army football faring? Well, I mean, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the military academy, so I think any conference that has those have helped themselves just from a stability standpoint. You know those people always have finances. They're always going to have character. They're always going to have tradition. Uh, they have a huge fan following across the nation. So I, yeah, that's a great addition. Um, you know, like I told you, Patrick, I, I think the ACC is nuts. We're not trying to get some of those military academies, your Air Force, Army, Navy. Mm-hmm. It's just a power, power conference that wanted to expand, got those three in the same conference. You'd really have something, I believe. And, that, and it's going to go that way because these conferences are going to keep expanding. Um, but that's a great get for the American right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Coach, any particular games? I know Bedlam's this week. Uh, Georgia's got Missouri. Uh, there's LSU and Alabama. Any other games that maybe you're kind of looking for? I, we'll see what happens with UCF and Cincinnati. Somebody is going to win their first Big Ten game this week. <laughs> or excuse me, well, Big 12 I, game. Know, Big 12 game. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. This week, I, I, the Missouri game, I think, could be interesting. You know, Missouri's dangerous. You know, they're, they're a hot team. Uh, they can be real streaky on offense. And, you know, Georgia, if not careful, could, that could be one they could slip up on. And uh, so I think it would be interesting. Now, if Georgia comes out and blows them out, then, man, there's no question who the best team in the country is. Yeah. Hey, Coach, always great to talk to you, my friend. Uh, and uh, best of luck with everything you've got ahead of you in the next several days. And uh, we'll catch up with you next week. I appreciate it, Patrick. Thank you. Coach Doug Martin with us, great guy. And, uh, again, our condolences, uh, thoughts and prayers to Doug and his family with the uh, passing of his uh, mother. All right, uh, we're going to grab a break. We'll come back. Uh, what do you think, Pilk? Well, we'll say we'll still hold my beer when we come back, Pilk. What Sounds good. That? How do you feel about that? I'm good. You got something? I've got something. Okay. You always do. Does William have something? William, got to hold my beer yet? Not well, not not a beer for William. It's yeah, that's true. It's not a beer for William. It's hold my uh, diet soda for William. Yes, hold my tab. All right. He's too young. He doesn't know what a tab is. Uh, he, well, again, many places we can go. We may do that when we come back. We may not. I don't know. Actually, I do have something. So we'll do a hold my beer when we come back. Uh, let's come back with that, Pilk, instead of the stunning conclusion. How about that? A little real-time producing and editing here on the fly. It is the uh, Patrick Johnson Show <sighs> on uh, 94.3 The Game, 94.3thegame.com, and the IBX Media app. Do you have something you need to get off your chest? Get off your chest. I am not here for rage. I'm here for revenge. Did your favorite team blow another game? They are who we thought they were. And we let him off the hook. Or is there just something that's driving you crazy? I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to let it all out. You have made me very angry. Very angry indeed. With another edition of Hold My Beer. Hold my beer. Hold my beer. Whatever this is that has uh, given me uh, the sniffles in this space I'm in today is what I'm right about, Phil. Uh, hold my beer. Ohio State is the number. I mean, they're the number one team according to this committee in the in the college football playoff rankings. Ohio State. 
I mean, I know it's a conversation starter and it's a made-for-TV event, but, I mean, come on, man. Better than Georgia? We just heard Doug Martin talk about how high he is on Georgia. Uh, Some other really smart people I talk to a lot in the last month have really gotten into Georgia. I know the perception is Georgia hasn't played anybody, and they haven't, and that Georgia's got a cakewalk, and they do. But that's a really good football team that's starting to get its act together. I mean, Florida's not awful. Florida's got talent, and they handled Florida easily the other day. Totally easily. So, if if not Georgia, I'd say Michigan should be the number one. Oh, I'm, I'm impressed as hell with Michigan. Now, I realize it's not real in vogue to be singing the praises of Michigan right now. But I, I think the Wolverines are legit, especially defensively. Both they and Georgia are legit defensively. It will be hard for a lot of teams to score against those two. I just I don't get the Ohio State thing. I think they've gotten they've caught some breaks. Pilk, where did they beat Penn State? It was at the horseshoe, wasn't it? I believe it was. And then they beat Notre Dame kind of on that funky last minute deal, right? Yeah, they they could have easily so lost. So they got to lucky there. I mean, that could have gone the other way. They got Penn State at the horseshoe, which, I mean, that's a home field advantage. I Just to me, they're not the number one. Now, they might wind up being. But I just I, I don't think you have them there right now. SEC's got three teams in the top ten. Uh, so their demise is premature. So there you go. That's my hold my beer. The stinking playoff. I fell into the trap, didn't I, Pilk? You did. You you fell, fell into, into the TV event. We know if Ohio right. State goes undefeated, they'll be in, regardless of whether they're one right now or unranked right now. If they go undefeated, they'll be in. So yeah. if they don't, they probably won't. Let's hope. All right, uh, Pilk, what you got? All right, mine is hold my beer. When people uh-huh. go to football games and know nothing about football and then yell the whole game, like they think like they, they know what they're talking about. <laughs> For example, I'm at the Panthers Pilk, game. Are you, wait a second, Pilk. Are you talking about yelling from the stands? Or are you talking about yelling into their phone as they voice text a message board post or a tweet? Because uh, there is a little bit of a difference. There is, but no, yelling from the stands. For example, okay. the other day, uh, Panthers punt returner waves off that he doesn't want to catch the punt. The ball hits the ground, takes a, a massive hop in the other team's favor, and then he immediately just right. catches it and falls down to keep it from rolling another 10 to 15 yards inside the five-yard line where the gunners would have downed it. So he picks it up at about the 18. And there's some guy losing his mind behind me about why he ever picked up the ball. <laughs> so there was that. Then, as we right. all saw the end of the Panthers game with the field goals, yes. and the officials were clearly blowing the play dead, they said, you know, prior to the snap, offsides, unimpeded to the holder, and there's a lady who's actually an usher. You know, the ushers are supposed to kind of not cheer. Yelling at Frank Reich. Not on the field. Yeah. Was yelling at Frank Reich to throw the challenge flag. A, we're inside two minutes. B, a play never happened, so you you can't challenge a play that didn't happen. And C, just, you're an usher. Do your job. I get you want the team to win. Well, but come, like, now, that was fairly elitist. You're yeah. an usher. Do your job. 
I'm just I get what like, you're saying though. My grandma yeah. went with me to the game and she talks about the stuff she knows and then if it's something right. she doesn't know about, she, she asks. Yeah. yeah. She doesn't okay. just yell just for the sake of yelling. Grant Pilk's grandma at the game. Yeah. That's a good one, uh, Pilk. That's a good one. Um, all right. Uh intern William, I'll hold my soda for you, so go ahead. Uh, I have one, and it is not sports related, but it is. That's fine. I think it's t- it's good for right now, seasonal. Okay. Um, right. I do not like people. Whoa, 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 whoa! You gotta say, hold my soda before. Oh, hold my, on. hold my soda, hold my soda. Yes. Yeah. I do not like it when people start to decorate for Christmas before Halloween has ended. I'm I'm still on defense uh, about Thanksgiving, but especially before Halloween. What are your hol- what are your Thanksgiving decorations? Just a pumpkin and a bale of hay? I mean, <laughs> no, I just don't think that people should decorate for Christmas until at least midway through November. And almost I normally like to wait until after Thanksgiving. Okay. You know, the thing I would say, it's interesting. So I went to the Working Man's Beach last weekend and I drove through um Swansboro to get there because I went over to Carteret County first. Swansboro and Surf City both had kind of their holiday-themed, beach-themed holiday decorations, Christmas decorations out. And there were some people at the beach at Surf City who already had, like, Christmas light displays out and all that. And they're wrong. Where are you, William? (laughs) Where are you on the after Christmas? How long do you leave it up? Uh, You can leave it up not past, not into February. Once you get okay. into February, the decorations have to come down. Got to be down before the Super Bowl, at least. Yeah, right? before the Super Bowl. That's a fair. I'd say that's fair timeline. Okay. Some people leave it up to March or April, you know. That's just laziness. Yeah, you wonder what goes on in those. I think everybody's just excited about Christmas. Guys, you're Williams poo-pooing this whole thing. Philip, remember when uh, we had uh, Philip on or William on and he talked for the first time and he was about to wet his britches? And now he just hops on the mic. He rocks the mic like a vandal. Yeah. Hey, man, you know, look, I had my pregame jitters my first time. And uh, then by the time I got my second time, I was much better. So he's the same way. I always have pregame jitters. Actually, I don't. I'd probably be better if I did. All right. uh, Big thanks to Doug Martin for being on with us today. Great job there, guys, with Hold My Beer. Good work. Uh, We uh, appreciate you tuning into the show today. We're going to uh, greet you again tomorrow. Jim Zoki will be on the program. We will have another special video uh, video presentation of the show, and that'll be at 1.30 on all of our video platforms tomorrow. 94.3 The Game will be on the radio side. So all of that comes your way on... Thursday for the Patrick Johnson show. Big thanks to Doug Martin again for being on with us. Philip the ref Pilkington, intern William. Don't forget our pirate coverage begins at 1230 on Saturday from our Fort game day 2.2 location as we will have uh, our pirate game day countdown fueled by Bush light from outside of the stadium. Looking forward to that 1230. Network at 2.30, kick at 3.30 as the Pirates take on number 24, Tulane. Uh, Tomorrow, again, Jim Zoki will be on the program. We'll hear from the Pirate coordinators. So all of that is coming your way on the 
Patrick Johnson Show. We'll see you in the morning on Talk of the Town at 7 a.m. on 96.3 and 103.7 and 5 o'clock right here on the Patrick Johnson Show with a special video video presentation time of 1.30. Have a great, great rest of your day and evening, everybody. Thank you.